I'm Chris Lindstrom, and this is the Food About Town podcast. In episode 109 of the Food About Town podcast, I had three of the owners from Joe Bean Coffee Roasters over to talk about the entire history and the kind of the full story of Joe Bean and how it came to be. So Ben Turiano, Kathy Turiano, and Dina Jones came over, and I really enjoyed going through the whole process. I, I remember... You know, having some of their coffee before the before the University Ave store opened, and it was really interesting to get some of their perspectives on you know how they started, how they moved forward, in what they were doing, and it sort of changed my perspective. You know, I have I had thoughts about how things moved, and it was interesting to get their thoughts as well. Uh, you know, on quality, on you know why they do what they do. So I hope you enjoy this. It's kind of the you know comprehensive history of Joe Bean Coffee Roasters. And I don't know if anybody's done it before, and I, I thought it was really interesting. So I hope you enjoy this episode. If you do, please share it out on social media. I'm Food About Town on Facebook, at Stromy on Twitter and Instagram. And Joe Bean has a couple different accounts. They have the uh, Joe, regular Joe Bean Roaster or Joe Bean Coffee accounts. They also have a bar and kitchen uh, tag on Instagram. So follow them and share out to them if you enjoyed this episode. Thanks for listening. This is probably the nicest day of the year so far here in Rochester, and I'm here with people who are bringing the sunshine into my life. Aww. <laughs> Aww, isn't that terrible? <laughs> At least one of those laughs is disdainful and ironic. <laughs> That's not mine. <laughs> that might be mine. It might be. So why don't we go and introduce ourselves from my right first? Sure. Uh, Kathy Turiano. Okay. And why, why are you here? Who are you? Oh, uh, owner of Joe Bean. <laughs> uh, owner of Joe Bean Coffee Roasters. Beautiful. Uh, and across from me? Dina Jones. And also. Also good. Yeah. Also part of that. And you, and sir. Ben Turiano, another owner. Oh, another owner. Yes, sir. Yeah. Well, so, so what we're here to do today is I kind of want to do the comprehensive Joe Bean history and why. Oh, boy. Which is, you know, I've, I've heard... I, one, I feel bad that I haven't done this earlier, which is why I'm doing it now. Um, I've heard, you know, partial interviews with people talking about the history and all that stuff. I wanted to take a little time and walk through some of it and ask questions from maybe a different perspective. Somebody who's, I've been around for a little bit. <laughs> when, when <laughs> Since it comes day to, one, I think it comes you've to been. Joe yeah. Bean things. <laughs> yes. yes. I've been around. My, my earliest memory 
Well, before before we do that, where is Jovian Coffee? When is it open? And what should people expect if they go there? Oh, I'm going to let Ben answer that. Uh, well, we're at 1344 University in Rochester, New York. Uh, we're open Monday through Wednesday, open 9 to 5. Uh, Thursday through Saturday, open 9 to 11 and p.m. And then Sunday, open 9 to 4 p.m. Nice. And what should people expect when they go to Joe Bean Coffee, Ben? <laughs> um, wonderful well, things. Yeah, wonderful <laughs> things, hopefully. Uh, our, our big focus, as far as our coffee program goes, is single farm coffees that are super traceable. Um, we're roasting everything in-house. We focus really heavily on like hand-brewing methods uh, and try and give people uh, different choices that elect them kind of highlight the best of what each coffee has to offer uh, and then we have a like farm to table food program that uh draws very heavily from our chef's heritage and we have a uh, beer and wine program that's very focused on like craft beer stuff that's a little bit more unique hard to find and just started introducing some kind of more creative signature drinks as well. Yeah, so it's, um, I guess, what I would refer to as a very curated menu from top to bottom. That's certainly mm -hmm. the goal. We want everything to feel like it's there for a reason. Yeah, not not just because. Right. <laughs> right. right. Well, I think that, that that's a great way, to, great way to start this. It seems like everything about the place now is very curated, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of different voices that are contributing to that. You know, from the ownership group to the people working, how how has that been developed over time? With you know, different people having you know responsibilities from coffee to the beer to other aspects of Joe Bean, and I know there's been there's more of that, but how has that developed over the last few years? How is the menu developed? Yeah, like the people's responsibility too, and having different shareholders and different people involved in the process. Sure. Um, well, I I think you kind of answered it. I think it's very collaborative. Um, I think the fact that uh, really when we when we've brought people onto the team, and I think it's taken us a while to uh, build the team. And once we've seen where their strengths are, um, like for example, our beer program uh, really came out of some of the guys on the bar. Um, really enjoying craft beer and deciding that they wanted to bring that out and onto the bar. And so uh, we opened up the idea that they could craft a whole program around it. And then our food program, uh, like Ben said, uh, really takes off from our chef's uh, heritage, which happens to be Cuban and Italian. <laughs> so uh, we've really allowed her more and more uh, to bring that onto our food program, which is super exciting for us. Yeah, and it's not not as uh, typical to have it really focused around that person's desires. There's usually a little, there's usually a little more direction, perhaps, and that uh, having, I mean, thankfully she has a very clear vision of what she wants to do. Right. Well, I think we knew that going into it. I yeah. I actually recruited Kristen pretty early on uh, when we started talking about having uh, the kind of food program that we wanted to have. I went after Kristen and. Um, asked her to come on board because I, I knew what she could do and I knew her passion for food and that, you know, her vision for food really lined up with ours. And so I think then it, it is a creative process. So allowing whatever is in her to come out, but at the same time, I knew that it would be good and it would be exactly where we wanted to bring Joe Bean. So. Right. And it seems like, you know, from having spent a lot of time there over the years, there's a lot of that going on in the whole 
whole process, people have individuality while they're working at Joe Bean as well. Absolutely. I, I actually think that's one of the most exciting things. I mean, we sort of built Joe Bean to be a community, um, not just around the coffee place, um, but around the actual team of people that work there. And so that collaboration, I think, has always been in our DNA. So, Yeah. One, it's everybody's got it's an eclectic group of personalities. It is. <laughs> I mean, I, I say that in the best possible way. Um, you know, there's from from when I started going there. Um, I mean, there's always been different personalities rotating through, whether they're there or you know still there or have gone and gone on to different things. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, a yes. lot of strong personalities. Right. Well, um, and Chris, you can't. I mean, the other thing that you know is probably pretty obvious is that not just different personalities, but honestly, different generations. You know, yeah. are really at the core of Joe Bean. We're. I think we're an unusual story because we're not. Um, you know, friends who have been friends forever and then decided that they wanted to open up a place together, which I think is a very common story. Mm-hmm. Um, but ours is really, you know, Dina and Ben and I are not uh, the same age. <laughs> um, and I think that actually has been a strength, you know, to be able to bring each of our own ideas um, and our own vision into the core of Joe Bean. Right. And so our personalities are so different as well. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so yet it works. Yeah. And I, I, I yeah. kind of understand how Kathy yeah. and Ben come into the, into play. Right. You know, the whole being related thing. Uh, Dina, how did you get involved in the whole project and, you know, Actually, how did you Dina, guys know Dina each other? came first. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, yeah that's, that's things I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, I did. Uh, Kathy and I, well, I, I suppose I, I knew Ben as well uh, <laughs> back then. But Kathy and I uh, started, technically, we started Joe Bean back in 2000, end of 2004, 2005. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And that was, where was it then and what was it then? <laughs> Very different. Okay. <laughs> uh, we were in the village of Webster. Okay. At that time, we took over a small cafe that was in the village of Webster. And it was, I'm assuming this was a standard, what we would refer to, I don't know, uh, the best way to call it, a second wave cafe, probably. Yes. Very much yes. so. Yeah. Yep. Very, mu- very much that. Yep. Gotcha. And, and it was it was taking, o- taking it over as it was? No. We changed it quite a bit. It okay. was it was really just a space that became available, and uh, we had a big desire to bring to bring our community together in Webster, uh, which was great. Except it was full of a lot of people who wanted to give you high fives and wish you well, and that was as far as the support went. Ah, so well, and also I think a year after we opened, uh, Dunkin' Donuts actually opened up around the corner from us. Mm-hmm. Conveniently, um, and then yes. Starbucks <laughs> actually opened up uh, down the street from us. So, Perfect. you know, as Dina said, we actually had a lot of support from the community, um, but at the same time, you know, the suburbs are just very, very different than the city. Oh yeah. So drive-throughs are uh, a way of life, <laughs> and um, you know, you can't sort of get around that. Yeah. No, the that convenience factor, I mean, comes in comes into a lot of people's decisions. I mean, coffee for many people is purely a convenience. Right. Um, and so well, this... I, are, I, I think a big part, too, is that our offerings weren't... Unique enough. Yeah, they yeah. weren't differentiated. It right. was, a, you know, d- very well-meaning people putting out a product that was pretty similar to what right. most other second wave style cafes were doing. Sure. Right. And, and, and uh, how long was it that in Webster? Um, almost two, two, close to three years. Yeah, about three years. Just, okay. Just under. 
Yeah, just under three years. So two, mm-hmm. three years, that brings us to what, 2006-ish? 2007, um, really, yeah. We we actually closed the cafe and focused on, learned how to roast okay. in, in that in-between time before we moved to the city. Gotcha. So that was the first time roasting came into play was out in Webster. Yeah. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. Well, it really became the decision that um, uh, we, we kind of came to a place where we were either going to close the business uh, altogether um, or we were going to do, you know, what we kind of referred to as sort of a radical shift. And for us, the radical shift really came into we had to have a product. And roasting was where we landed with it. Um, and at that point, Ben really started coming more into the business. He actually was at school, uh, in culinary school. And well, I, I didn't start. I started roasting before that. Right. Okay. Yeah. What, what were you doing roasting before that? Before roasting? Yeah. Uh, nothing. (laughs) 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 I, I had gone through high school and wasn't really sure, like, what next steps were and nothing really seems like it was opening itself up yeah what uh, what, what is life anyways <laughs> <laughs> uh, and i i didn't feel the need to go to college without a strong conviction to <laughs> follow a certain path not just to go yeah so roasting was kind of this like oh okay you guys are starting up this thing <laughs> sure i'll jump in and Kind of get involved. That seems yeah. fun. And roasting I, sounds great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a cool piece of equipment. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's fun. Well, so to speak. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Playing a video game. That's how we always. Yeah, it's yeah. like a, a really, really boring, boring video, video game. game. A really boring video. <laughs> yeah, really game. slow. <laughs> really yeah. slow. Hopefully, really slow. <laughs> so when it, when the roasting started, what was the what was the intent behind it? Was was it immediately going towards the direction it is now, or was it just to produce for just selling beans locally? So, I guess the style, I guess, is what I'm asking. So, but, like, A did, big yeah. thing to understand is that the style that we're doing now and kind of everything that we've come to value and pursue in reality didn't exist when we started. Right. So we were going in wanting to make sure that we were doing things ethically. We mm-hmm. were wanting to produce a really good product, but I don't think we necessarily had, like any other directional Mm -hmm. ideas, at least really early on, besides that. Um, Yeah. We started getting involved in the the SCA, what was the SCAA at the time, um, especially Coffee Association of America. And they had a lot of educational materials and lectures you could download. And then we started going to different classes and seminars and things like that and starting to get the lay of the land with the industry. But, I mean, at this time, the industry just looked totally different than what anything looks like now. And that wasn't just here in Rochester. That was no, everywhere. No, just globally what the industry was about. Right. Um, and I think for us, we started out uh, really big into certifications, right? That was a way for us mm-hmm. to get some sort of guarantee of uh, traceability. Um and we started, I think barista competitions were a really big influencer yes. early yep. on. Right. 2008, I think, was that 2007 the first? 2007 was the first one we 2007. Which is the year right. we started roasting. Right. Right. So that, that you know, kind of seeing these people talk about, uh, <laughs> like, coffee in this way that we'd never heard. And, and it was the style of service that we'd never seen before, where people are actually, like, 
explaining why they made choices or what they're experiencing in something. And that was really exciting. Mm-hmm. So there's kind of those, those like blocks of like, okay, we understand we want this to be sustainable. We want this to be traceable. We want to have relationships. We want high quality. We want a style of service that's like very communication forward, but none of it, like no one knew how to do those things. Right. Um, and especially we went in again, like very certification heavy. And then the more we got involved, learned that that's not necessarily representative of what we thought it was. Right. Or, or kind of learned that, you know, how do you, how do you form a relationship with a farm? Yeah, yeah, that's that's <laughs> right. a that's a complicated <laughs> question, right? Especially since there's very few coffee farms right in our backyard, right? Mm-hmm. Well, and there's there's a lot of farms out there, and how do you actually? How do you know what's the one you want to have a relationship? Yeah, with? Yeah, and who's who's there to communicate, and who's there to you know provide the quality you're looking for, mm-hmm. and who's doing those things and is actively looking for more people to work with. Right. You know? I, I think what really happened too, uh, as you know, Ben's describing all of this is that honestly, it's sort of like the more we began to go into the coffee industry and really understand, you know, what was out there that, you know, we began to realize how little we knew mm-hmm. <laughs> and that sort of encouraged us and moved us to wanting to know more and more and understand, you know, the industry that we were really beginning to walk into, you know, more and more. Yeah, which was again, that was a it was a the early stages of growth for what we call what now specialty coffee, mm-hmm. I suppose. Yeah. Is the best way of describing yeah. what what industry you reside in nowadays. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Specialty um, coffee. It was it was it was in its early stages. There were very few places here in the US doing that at that point. And started roasting that way and what was the intent was it to sell wholesale to places here to other places around what was the intent I, at that point for you i guys? don't I, you're, you're thinking about this from a business perspective <laughs> <laughs> well, we were just trying to figure out how to roast at the time we started with a ton of farmers markets that's true yeah. yes yeah, we, we did nine we, one, at one that point that was our highest point. that was our was nine, nine in a week yeah. okay yeah, yeah. that was interesting well and i think we were just trying to talk about specialty coffee out there right. you know so we were showing pour over methods and you know doing all these crazy things at farmers markets and yeah. trying to explain to people it's really different there's a lot to know yeah. and i think that was the first time i ran across joe bean was at geez i think the first time might have been at park ave fest oh yeah, yeah we did we that, did that. There we was did that a little bit <laughs> yep yeah it was it was at park ave fest and there was a just a little stand on the street and you were doing coffee by hand Yep. On the street. <laughs> and I think that was my first time trying it. Yeah. And then I think it was the following year I tried it at the Lilac Fest. Oh, yeah. We yeah. did when the Lilac the, Festival. <laughs> when when you guys were doing shaken cold brew coffee. Yeah. yeah. It was the first time I'd ever had that. <laughs> um, so it was, I think, those two years. And I think I might have, I don't know if I'd seen it much in between. Maybe I saw it at the like public market or something. Yeah, I'm not even sure we had a, a brick well, and mortar at this place. I don't think it was. Place. No, it wasn't. Yeah. Th- it wasn't yet. Yeah, because that was those were like in, and I was like, it was in the back of my head because I was starting to get into coffee, hmm. um, you know, from a you know Starbucks perspective and everything else. And I remember trying it there and trying it at the Limelight Festival. I'm like, this is different. I want to follow this. I want to try this out. And I think it was at that point that there was something in the works, which was the brick and mortar location. 
Right. They're yeah. about that time anyway. Yeah, I don't remember what years we did those. <laughs> it's all a big blur. It's a yeah. lot. <laughs> huge blur. Yeah. It's a little bit of a blur, yeah. And, and you know, honestly, I think the reaction was, you know, so mixed, too, that, you know, there were people out there when we were doing the Shaking Cold Brew and all of that, the Lilac Festival and everything that loved it, and those that thought we were pretty crazy, you know? Yeah. Well, well. not much has changed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably still true. <laughs> We yeah, they, they're very non-ideal okay. venues for communication too. Yeah, of right. course. Yeah, the, also it's not it's not the necessarily a, a dedicated crowd looking for detailed information and mm-hmm. you know I an think experience. At Lilac, we tried to we set up with the Cornell extension mm-hmm. there. Yeah, yeah, it was right there. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of the idea was like there's such a plant focused organization and everything's about traceability and we're like we're gonna help create this kind of like collective narrative that's really placing value on like understanding the supply chain and understanding all those things going into it and we ended up setting up like right next to a fried dough stand yeah i was gonna say i think there was popcorn and fried dough yeah and it's like oh (laughs) maybe this isn't translating the way that we kind of structured this in our heads yeah it sounded great though didn't it (laughs) it made so much sense it did i mean tying right in there but you know what i mean i'm sure it did grab people i know it did me and it got me interested in what was coming next. Chris, I never knew that. That actually makes me very happy. <laughs> <laughs> you're, I can't, you're one of our fruits from way back. Right. Then. I, I can't. I can't guarantee that anybody else showed up after that. But That's I know right, I did. We got one. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and then following that, there was you know the brick and mortar place in the works. I think at that point, and that was that's the place that is now over on University Street. Yep, 2011. 2011 was the start. Yep, that was the start. This <laughs> week. Yeah, 2011 All right. this week. Yeah, we opened May 5th, 4th, 5th, 7th. Somewhere around there. Somewhere around there. (laughs) Early May-ish. Early May-ish time frame-ish. 2011. We all know that. Yeah. (laughs) So that space was what beforehand? Offices. Yeah. A security company. Yeah. Okay. So it was a security company and offices beforehand. Yep. And I'm sure the build-out went perfectly smooth with no headaches and... (laughs) <laughs> everything went in. Pr- everything went in fine. Um, we had to really convince the landlord that it was a good fit. Mm-hmm. Uh, was one of the first things because we honestly were uh, the first retail uh, place that he had ever had in the building, and so we were very, very different um, than anything else. And um, boy, I don't know if I should talk about this, but um, we. <laughs> uh, so our our move was faster than we wanted it mm. to be. Uh, we we were in Webster and, and we were roasting and we thought we were going to stay there for a little while and kind of develop the business and uh, develop the roasting end. And um, the particular space that we were in actually changed hands. Mm. And so um, our move ended up getting accelerated and we ended up having to move because they wanted to uh, use the building for something else. And so they negotiated our the buyout of our lease uh, for that space. And then we kind of had like a, a really six weeks to find a new home. And so our current landlord was very... Um, open to us but it was a it was a fast turnaround to get us up and running in I mean, that's very fast for anything really <laughs> it was very fast yes <laughs> uh for that now we weren't up in six weeks but you know it was really like two months yeah mm-hmm. i think i mean weeks. within six weeks we were producing coffee though it, yes we were roasting right. yeah right. and actually we moved and that was what two weeks later we did your competition 
Yes. Wasn't it? Two weeks later? Sure. That's we weren't open yet. a competition, yeah. So sure. we actually had to get the roaster up and running. The timing was just, you know, really wonky, but um, we had to get the roaster up and running so that Ben could roast his competition coffee so that we could go to New York City. To bring <laughs> it to the competition. Was Boston. Mm-hmm. Was it Boston? Yeah. Okay, I didn't remember. Was that the first time you went to one of those? Yeah, it was my first competition. <laughs> and you brought, brought your own coffee, roasted in the new location. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a little whirlwind, yeah. It, it went pretty well. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for my first round, I think I scored somewhere in the the needy middle of everything. So, <laughs> well, considering that's <laughs> not bad. <laughs> we had a we had a lot of people though with us if I remember that one. We had a big fan base that came, so a congregation so to speak. Yeah, we really much. did. We we always showed well at, as far as the fan base when we went to these competitions, so. That's nice. Yeah, it was very nice. That's yeah. cool. And actually there was one point when one of the competitions I remember that they announced, I think it was Wade was oh, competing, yeah. <laughs> and they announced his name as one of the competitors, and we had this huge group of people with us, and we thought that they announced him as a winner, and we went ballistic, you know, <laughs> we did <laughs> and then we realized that they were just naming the competitors, Yeah, <laughs> so it was a little embarrassing. <laughs> Yeah. But we're but very enthusiastic. Yeah, enthusiasm <laughs> counts for a lot, Kathy. It I, does, I, I guess. I think the first Boston, wasn't that St. Patty's weekend, too, in Boston? Oh, I think it was, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah that, that unbridled enthusiasm that comes with that uh, that day, I'm sure they're used to that. <laughs> they're used to a little, little yelling and hollering. I think it's okay. Oh, so this was, you just got, just got started, and it was a whirlwind getting everything moving. This was a lot of handwork build out, it seemed like, too. This wasn't, you know, throw a contractor in for all, everything either. Uh, to start, it was a lot of what the contractors put in. Yeah. Um, when we opened, we had a pretty minimal space. Um, they had kind of thrown stuff. We had kind of designs that we had retrofitted from other cafe designs that we were trying to put together. Mm. And they kind of took all those and built everything out, but we did not get, just because of like the timeline of everything, we didn't have a lot of input into like counter materials or things like that. So we we ended up with this really quick build out and then really quickly realized all the things we were missing, like like retail shelves or places for People to sit. <laughs> <laughs> Minor concerns like right. that. Yeah, I, our original vision for the space was we were going to have some small seating areas along the window and along the bar, and then we saw the pour overs as a thing that people would predominantly do, like either sit down and drink it, or we'd have people doing it to go. Most of our business was going to be bag sales, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we were going to be so a roastery. Yeah. Right, so we're a roastery. This is kind of With our front of house presence, bar. exactly. So we've got a few people sitting to taste, um, people doing to goes. Most people just popping in and buying bags, and then doing a standing bar for espresso drinks, kind of like a more traditional European style espresso bar. Okay, I I think one of my, our first surprises is that people wanted to come in and stay. And really be a part of it. And, you know, for me, another big surprise, too, was just, um, you know, that we ended up having such a range of customers. You know, I looked around at one point really early on and realized there were children in the room and, (laughs) you know, there were, (laughs) which was great and uh, really not at all what we expected. Like Ben said, we really expected to be much more of a a roastery with a tasting bar, kind of like Mm -hmm. when you go to the winery. 
Um, so I, I think we, this was the wild west, Chris, you got to understand that we, there was nothing. And, you know, we had a team and we were all trying to figure out, you know, what this would look like. And then the response. And I, I think the response was great. Like really in the city, it was very (laughs) different than the suburbs. Um, Yeah. I was going to say like, how quickly did you get a feel for the customers that were coming in and how, how quickly did you see that maybe it was going to be more of a hangout spot? You that know. happened pretty quickly, but I feel like our it, the the area changes a lot, mm. as we've seen. You know, we always get the the round of college students that come in and then go out, and the new ones that come in, and the restaurants that open, and uh, there's a lot of change. But I, I think we saw it pretty quickly. Yeah, I think one of the things that I remember uh, we also saw pretty fast was that. Uh, we would get people that would come in who had lived in other cities, um, who had lived in New York City, who had lived on the West Coast, um, who had lived in Chicago, Boston, wherever. And we were immediately like a legitimate place. They said, because they got what we were so fast. So we weren't even necessarily trying to kind of um, convince people from Rochester. Um, We were actually collecting people who were looking for us and had not been able to find like a third wave coffee shop. So, you know, I mean, at one point I remember answering the phone and I had a woman call me and she said, do you know what a pour over is? <laughs> and I said, you know, yeah, yes, I do. <laughs> and she said, I'll be right over, <laughs> you know, and I think that was really what was, again, a surprise is that there was a lot of people looking for specialty coffee um, in Rochester already. Yeah. And we I tapped think, into it. Yeah. I think that was, I had, I remember at that time I had been reading, you know, exploring food and drink more online. And I remember reading about specialty coffee online and, you know, was the the early people from the West Coast, you know, it was the Blue Bottle mm-hmm. and these kind right. of places that I had read about. I hadn't even tried yet, but I'd been reading about the whole concept. Right. And I, I remember that same thing, like, oh, wow, this is, this is very exciting. I want to go in and see what this is all about. Yeah. And we had a great article from the DNC early on. It was... Um, do you remember the the reporter's name? Karen? I'm going to guess Karen Miltner. It was Karen Miltner. Yeah. And um, she came in. She was incredibly thorough. And she really did a great article just about what we were doing. And uh, out of that article, we got a lot of people um, that started coming in the door. So Absolutely. Yeah. Because she really was great. You know, just exploring the different brewing methods that we were doing. And she was fascinated by it all. Yeah. She, she was... Um I've always enjoyed, I always enjoyed reading her work while she was at the DNC and uh, somebody who was very, um, definitely exploratory. She, she checked out a lot of places in and around the city when it came to food too. Mm-hmm. I always respected what she did. Yeah, she was great. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I think what we're going to do, we're going to take a quick break and there's so much more we need to cover. It's this half hour went way too fast. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, okay. <laughs> so yeah. we're going to take a break and we're going to come back with more of the story of Joe Bean and we'll be right back. Before we get back to this week's episode, I'd like to take a second to talk to you about Frankly. That's P-H-R-A-N-K-L-Y dot com. Frankly is the best way to find out how your favorite local restaurants source their products and also how to find your favorite specialty goods. You can check out restaurants like Joe Bean Coffee, Marty's Meats. Search for them on Frankly and find out where they source their goods from. Or you can check out your favorite specialty product like Guglielmo Sauce. Search for them on Frankly and find out all the locations you can buy their sauce all over. That's Frankly, P-H-R-A-N-K-L-Y dot com. Yeah, so we're talking about coffee today. I'm just resetting myself now. (laughs) Um, 
Um, we are well, talking about coffee. That's good. Let, let's recenter. So we're talking with the owner group of Joe Bean. What, what is the official name? It's not Joe Bean Coffee anymore. Joe Bean Coffee Roasters. Joe Bean Coffee Roasters mm-hmm. over on University University Street, University Avenue, University Avenue. Avenue. See, it's I, I, yeah. I never, I was never on there enough to remember if it was Street or Avenue. Oh no, we're an avenue. Uh, that's good. That's yeah. good to know. Yeah. It feels like an avenue. <laughs> it feels like an avenue. It's wide. Yeah, yeah this yeah. this is technically yeah. an avenue. This doesn't feel like an avenue. Right. Yeah, ours is wide. Yeah, yeah. it feels right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Leisurely. <laughs> <laughs> so before the break, we were talking about you know some of the first some of the first pops of. Joe Bean getting popular over on university. And I think what I wanted to come back with, which, you know, it's, there's been, seems like a constant, constant improvement and aim towards changing what Joe Bean does over the last, you know, X amount of years, whether it's, you know, different food programs or, you know, trying different things and changing equipment, training Mm -hmm. opportunities for the staff. What's been the, I mean, the, this whole, oh, I don't want to use the Japanese term because that's really pretentious and annoying, but this uh, constant improvement, um, how, how is that, how do you guys think that has gone over the last few years? I know it's a big question, sort of as a big picture question. You, you look like you want to start answering that one. Uh, well, I, I'm trying to think through, I think, I think one big component of it is... Uh, we had a realization as front of house started growing that we had always kind of thought of this as like we're the roastery that has the tasting bar. And we at some point realized, oh, we're actually running two mm-hmm. businesses, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Where we have the coffee roasting side of the company, right? But then we also essentially have like what wasn't just a coffee tasting bar, but was a a food service establishment and that was that was a big pivot for us and i think that's kind of what started driving like okay well if that's what our front of house is how do we make it realize into that more and what do we want it to look like and how do we want it to uh function differently than what we had kind of originally envisioned this space as being right so in my mind that's that's a whole set of like changes to make and improvements and kind of saying well okay what what's what's valuable to us and how do we want to approach service and what do we want to offer and what what do we want this whole experience to represent for someone and that's a very different process than me saying how can i make my coffee even more delicious like what's what's the way i can get more traceable and what's the way that we can you know get tighter with our roasting process and get tighter with our brewing parameters and all those things. So these things are kind of running in parallel, but in my mind, they're almost completely unrelated. Right. uh, Because one is about like how we're building experience and how we're realizing essentially one whole part of the company. And then the other things about how we're realizing, you know, the, the roasting side of the company. Right. Right. I think the other thing that happened really uh, early on as well, um, there was so much going on in Rochester the year that we opened. Uh, the poutine truck uh, mm-hmm. opened. That was the first uh, food All truck. Right. Uh, that actually came in 2011. Uh, Rock Brewing, which was the first really urban you know, uh, micro uh, brewery, uh, opened in 2011. And 
you know, just a number of things. And we allied ourselves pretty early on with some of those guys. And that, um, just that friendship, that business friendship, um, ended up sort of popping up other things that we hadn't really thought about, like beer, you know, and rec, you know, recognizing that their customers and our customers had so much alike. And then, you know, over time realizing that we could bring craft beer onto our bar and, you know, it would complement our craft coffee. Um, or, you know, like with the poutine truck, um, you know, Lizzie was looking for a space uh, to actually sort of have her poutine truck. And so we became one of her early on spots. Um, I think we were actually one of her first spots, you know, that, that she would actually park the truck. And then out of that grew this desire to build a parklet, <laughs> you know, so that, right. you know, there would really be like seating, you know, for that. So I think a, a lot of it is just sort of like as we walked and as we made business friendships, um, more and more stuff came up that we could do. And, you know, why not? You know, it's it did, they all felt complimentary to us. Yeah, because a lot of those steps added up to a evolving experience, mm -hmm. I think is what I was right. trying to get at with my rambling question that I was saying. <laughs> right, right. Um, <laughs> It's been an evolving experience. You know, it'd be one step here, one step there. And from then till now, it's evolved. It still has that same heart to it, but it's an evolved experience for the guest showing up. Well, now they can get, you know, almost a full menu of food and comprehensive beer and wine and, um, you know, coffee cocktails now. So it's, it's a, it's that evolution. I find, I just find fascinating because it's, it has that same core, but it's so different. I think the coffee industry itself has done that, though. Mm -hmm. You know, if you look at, um, if you even just go, like now, if you go to the Specialty Coffee, um, the national conference, you know, Uppers and Downers has a component of that conference you know, over the last, I think, couple years, um, which is now beer is actually represented at the coffee conference. You know, so I think coffee itself has sort of gone through that widening the experience and bringing in these other uh, complementary type mm -hmm. industries. I, I think a big part of that too is specialty realizing that if it really wants to be a specialty product, it needs to pivot away from a fast food service model, yeah, which sure. most mm -hmm. coffee, especially when we started, like it was all based on fast food, right? Absolutely. You stand in a line, you look at a menu, you walk up, you put your order in, you kind of queue down, it's ready, you grab it and you walk out, right? Mm -hmm. Right. And that's that's a thing that's efficient, and you can make that profitable, but that doesn't necessarily read as, oh, I'm consuming something that's special Specialty. and scarce and, you know, all the right. things that we're wanting to do with specialty coffee. So realizing, oh, we need to put this in context of other specialty products to kind of frame this like this is this is an experiential thing. This is something you should be sitting down and walking through and appreciating the same way that you appreciate these other things and mm -hmm. kind of building a natural uh, flow to the whole process. Well, and to that point, Ben, you know, we spent probably a couple years taking coffee everywhere. You know, we, we would pop up at restaurants, we would pop up at breweries, we popped up at wineries, um, you know, at uh, distilleries. I mean, places that nobody expected to see coffee in Rochester. <laughs> there we were. You yeah. know? Not only um, that, but doing it with Harios, with Chemexes. Right, no, yeah. No automatic brewers. Right, yeah. Know? So we really, like, uh, you know, at, to your point, you know, we really took coffee into other industries. And, you know, I remember, um, I think it was about a year ago, uh, Tracy from the DNC put together this little group of what she called sort of pioneers in Rochester for different industries. And 
we were all having dinner together and she was interviewing us and she said, you know, name one thing that would be different in your industry, you know, from a year ago or a couple years ago. And I said, honestly, I said, for me personally, I would not have been invited to the table, <laughs> you know, two years ago, you know. So I think coffee really in Rochester in particular was not thought of, you know, as specialty um, or as a craft. And so I think really pushing that boundary is something that we've been doing for a long time. Well, also get, getting on that grind and going out and when, like you said, going out and getting in front of a lot of different crowds. Right. Um, let's talk about the guest experience for a minute. So this is one of those things that I'm sure I know is one of the biggest challenges in specialty coffee is having people understand the experience that haven't tried it before making it comfortable, making that whole experience for everybody, whether you're the biggest nerd or <laughs> if you're completely new to the whole thing. I mean, mm -hmm. I came through on that side where I was right. excited. I knew what I was getting into. Um, I came with a level of excitement. And some people come in with a level of trepidation and nervousness for this kind of thing. Um, how has the, you know, when it comes to bar experience, how does that, you know, how have you guys worked through that? I, I think a huge thing is allowing people to to sit down and kind of look at menus before they're ordering. I know a, mm -hmm. a big kind of threatening point is like if there are other people watching you while you're trying to digest information, mm -hmm. that's it's uncomfortable. And you're like, I don't the, know what I need to this go is. mentality. You know, that's right. what you do. You're under pressure. Right. right. So trying to remove that whole component yeah. um, and then having someone who's able to answer questions and kind of helping actively encourage like, Hey, please let me know if you have questions. Like I, I love answering questions and I'm here to, my job is to walk you through this experience. So let me know how I can best do that for you. Sure. Um, and most people, uh, you can start getting a read for if they're coming in looking for something specific, you can kind of get a sense of what they're looking for and kind of guide them into different pathways of like, okay, well, this is kind of my approximation of what you're looking for and let me make this for you and I think it's going to be tasty and if you don't like it, let me know and we'll find you something different. And most people, if you can come in with that kind of level of confidence of like, hey, let me take care of you and I my goal is for you to enjoy yourself. <laughs> I'm not trying to make this like <laughs> right. uh, it's super yeah. pretentious, uh, above your head type experience. Like my my goal is that you're excited about whatever you're consuming. So let's if, if both people are working on that together. Usually, it's not mm -hmm. too hard to find a solution of getting something tasty. Sure, and yeah, I think you know one of the reasons I brought it up was because you know I I talk to people from all over the food business from top to bottom. And I talk to lots of people that go to different establishments. And I know people that they find they, you know, they find it challenging. They find it intimidating. Some people they just can't they can't deal with it uh, for one reason or another. And I know for you know people that work the bar, you know, you know, you spent a lot of time in uh, Dina, you spent a lot of time in the morning working with people. Mm -hmm. um, how how do you take that when you're dealing with people directly? and you're trying to give them the experience you're looking to give. Uh, I think it's a, a lot of what Ben said. It's really important to read the people because there are people who uh, who, uh, who don't want you to tell them yeah. what they want. And um, the specialty coffee industry has 
definitely put some terms out there in the past that we don't necessarily use anymore. So, um, you know, learning how to read those terms and what the customer actually wants when they say those. But but reading the customers is hugely important. And challenging, too. It is, yeah. It it can be really challenging. But the other thing is um, pretty much everybody that works the bar likes to talk coffee. Um, It's not just a job for them. So they they really, it's really enjoyable for them to walk somebody through that process. Um, The, all the different brew methods are a lot of fun to do. So it is, you know, I think sometimes when, especially when we do the siphon, we get so many people who, who didn't even order it or who weren't, you know, a, a part of the experience coming over just to talk about that, that method. Well, let's just let's talk about it for a second. Sure. So it's showy. Yeah, there's yeah, no doubt about showy. that. Super showy. <laughs> so why don't, why don't yeah. you tell tell the people what what it is and why why somebody would use that method, other than just being mm. cool? Well, <laughs> I, I don't know. Probably not a ton of people do use that method at home, but it is it's a, essentially a vacuum for brewing coffee. It looks like an enormous science project. Uh, it looks questionable. We have had. People say that. <laughs> right. A little. Oh, just a little. <laughs> a little, bit. little bit. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. you know, I, I think somebody who, um, somebody who is not, they're not just making themselves a cup of coffee to drink a cup of coffee. Right. They really want the whole experience. Those are the kind of people who are getting a siphon. Um, and, and, you know, I like it because it does draw attention to to the bar it does draw people to to see what you're doing and part of what we like is creating an experience and not just having people come in and sit at their table by themselves you know and drink their coffee and it doesn't hurt that it has kind of a unique flavor profile at oh, the sure. same time too yeah yeah, yeah it, it makes makes for a very different cup of coffee it and does. I, I think that's <laughs> One of the first things that I nerded out about there was the how <laughs> how each of the different brewing methods tasted differently. Right, and it was one of those things where when you sit down, you actually try the same coffee in different yeah. uh, different brewing methods and how different they actually tasted. It's one of those things you tell somebody that yeah, it depends on where you're pouring and how you're pouring and what kind of glass it's going into. Right, which was another level that I was completely <laughs> I don't know about baffled by, but. I was um, leery of until I, I think it was, I think we were, we were sitting on one side of the bar and you're like, we're going to try tasting in different cups today. <laughs> and it actually tasted different. And I'm like, this is the damnedest thing I've ever tasted that I can actually <laughs> taste and smell the yeah. coffee differently from each of the different cups I have. Yep. Which means now that all of my, I have like different wine glasses and <laughs> yeah, beer glasses. Right. Yeah, there you are. <laughs> I, I blame Ben for that almost specifically. <laughs> right. Well, I, I think to your point though, Chris, um, uh, you like to dive deep. Yeah, and no so doubt. I think we do have such a range of customers. Some of the customers come in and, you know, mm-hmm. they really just want to have a good cup of coffee. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's why they're coming to us or, uh, you know, especially as we've added more and more to our menu, they'll come in for the food, you know, or they'll mm-hmm. come in for something else, you know, that we're offering. And yet this other aspect is completely also a part of us. And so those who want to dive a little bit deeper, um, you, you know, we can. And, you know, it seems like a lot of your time was probably, you know, a picking lot. Ben's brain diving the and, bar. And, and, and <laughs> yeah, and, and the, when you say a lot of time, uh, you, it's, that is very accurate. It was a lot of time. 
Um, and not but only that, great, not only that, know? he's a bad influence. <laughs> he also got me into craft beer at Joe Bean. Oh, I, you didn't drink, I think. Oh, no, I didn't. No. Yeah, yeah, when you first I didn't, and he was giving me samples. I think oh. we take credit for that, right? He was giving me samples. He was the pusher. He was giving me little samples here and there. That's right. Yeah. And I think one, no responsibility. <laughs> I think one of the first whole beers I ever had was a... Um, a gift from Ben that was a heady topper. Huh. It was one of the first whole beers I'd ever had. Wow. And he spoiled me right away with one of these monstrosities that yeah. you couldn't, of course, you couldn't get here and was like mind blowing. <laughs> well, you know, we are in caffeine, so we are kind of used to, you know, <laughs> pushing a little bit of the, should we say, culture? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you want this. No. And it turns out I did. Um, so yeah, we were talking, you know, coffee, the whole experience and then moving towards, towards beer and expanding into taps and bottles and wine and a selection like that and food. And now for, I mean, not even just for all intents and purposes, Joe Bean's a restaurant, Yeah. which, you know, when I started going, it was a coffee bar right? and now it's a restaurant with, and you guys went through a big expansion. What was that? Almost two years ago two now? Two years ago. Yeah, almost, wow. right? Mm-hmm. My goodness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we started September. So Yeah. Yeah, almost. 2016. So. Yeah. So yeah. that was expanding into the adjacent space to where you were and changing the entire layout of what Joe Bean felt like at that time. Yeah, yeah a lot of the expansion was in the back of the house because we expanded the roastery and then the roastery, what was the roastery, became our full kitchen. So um, a lot of people don't, and we did take over more seating in the in the space and we, you know, we did a lot in the front of the house, but so much of the, what we call the expansion really took place in the back. So it's kind of the infrastructure. I mean, there's a, now a full mm-hmm. kitchen in the back, yeah, which before was, you know, very, very tiny. tiny. <laughs> it was a closet. I think we food. called it the closet. It kitchen. was the closet yeah. kitchen. Yeah. yeah. The closet kitchen. Um, and yeah. now, which is sent for all, again, for all intents and purposes, a full restaurant kitchen It is yes. in yeah. the back and a, giant roaster now yeah we have a very large roaster (laughs) yeah (laughs) 25 kilo yeah which was what was the original 10 10 wow yeah well and so our our old roaster was literally (laughs) constructed from lawnmower parts (laughs) yeah perfect yeah you Um, you bought the belts at the lawnmower store (laughs) that's great yeah granger sold all the components for it Um, nice so it towards the end especially it really just started running on fumes mm-hmm. uh so our capacity you you can't actually roast at 100 percent capacity of whatever your drum size is of course so our capacity on that was like 50 percent 60 percent wow 60 percent was really yeah. pushing what it could do and this was as you know you're growing growing locally yeah. getting more popular your capacity goes right down so really it kneecapped our our ability to expand our wholesale program in any meaningful way because right. as we get busy our, our bar goes through a fair bit of coffee right so mm-hmm. th- a large chunk of our roasting time was just dedicated to servicing the bar and to putting bags. bags on the shelf yeah. yeah so we weren't able to really approach any new wholesale <laughs> customers or you know build online or any of those ways that you kind of expand what you're able to do Right, and adding the new roaster isn't just about infrastructure and quantity, too. It changes, you know, having this brand new roaster has to be a boost in, you know, different, gives you opportunities for quality as well, right? 
Yeah, yes. Uh, <laughs> different opportunities. I mean, it's I don't want to say it's necessarily be- it's better in lots of ways, but it's oh, challenging it, too. Yeah. We we ran into some significant <laughs> issues installing our equipment. It, we sure. did, yeah. Uh, so it took us a while to get it to the point where it actually felt like it was doing what it should be doing. <laughs> uh, right. But once we got to that point, it's been a at least in my perspective a really significant uh, increase just in kind of taking what we were doing before and adding that extra degree of clarity and consistency. And I feel like everything we're doing is just so clean and sweet and bright and vibrant right now. And, and the depth of character has been really wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, right. I definitely think so. We changed our, our profiling system as well and, you know, made some kind of uh, infrastructural changes with how we run our production um, but yeah, the the difference is really incredible, um, and especially using something that's actually a real machine versus <laughs> something hacked together—a <laughs> monstrosity. Well, and and you know, I think we can even mention here that uh, Janine, you know, our head roaster Janine, has just done a phenomenal job um, getting used to the new roaster mm-hmm. and really bringing it to a great place. Um, and bringing our roasting program, you know, alongside with uh, Dina and Ben uh, to just a great place. And um, in December of 2017, um, she actually went to a regional roasters competition and um, ended up placing, um, uh, getting a place in the national. Which is an amazing accomplishment. Which is an amazing accomplishment. And um, her score was so well that um, she was actually going into the national in fourth place, I think, Mm -hmm. right? Um, now, um, I can probably say this publicly, right? Can I? We already put it out there, but um, yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the she ended up not going to the nationals um, just because it was in April, and uh, she got she found out she was pregnant right after she got a spot um, in the competition, and uh, she just had a, a really rough trimester, uh, so getting ready for the competition was not really going to be an option for her because yeah. she couldn't actually taste coffee at that <laughs> point. Uh, she couldn't stand a lot, you know, and plus tasting coffee was really low on her list. Yeah. But um, to the SCAA's credit and to the Roaster Guild credit, um, they actually um, have now allowed her. She has a spot in 2019, so she will be going in 2019. But she was the first competitor to ever ask um, for anything like this, and they didn't know what to do with, you know, someone asking you know, to be able to put it off because of pregnancy. But well, that's um, great to hear, though. But they mm-hmm. they came in and said, yes, we absolutely understand. And, you know, but uh, overall, I just brought it up because we're just so incredibly proud of of mm-hmm. that, you know, from Rochester, New York, you know, having a national presence. Um, so well, especially we've been I competed for four years and we sent Wade for Two, and Adam and, and, and Adam, Adam yeah, twice. we've done a lot of competitions, right? <laughs> yep. So, yeah. uh, like a collective yeah. eight years of competition, right. and then this is the first time that we've ever actually made it in the final. So that that's a lot of effort going into a project. Before <laughs> Absolutely, actually it is. It takes a lot, though. Right. I mean, we've learned along the way that it's you know so many of the people that just win competitions, you know, they have in-house training programs. Um, they had so many advantages that, you know, we just didn't have. They had an extra espresso machine, you know, they have roasting training programs. I mean, mm-hmm. things that we just never had. So Right. Well, and, I mean, when we're talking about, you you mentioned Wade, Wade Reed, who's sure. now over at Fifth Get Frame Frank. Brewing. Um <laughs> You know, Jeanine's not the first, not the first head roaster at Joe Bean. That's right. Yeah. She was training and 
how long has she been doing that now? It hasn't been that long, right? We were just talking about this the other day. A uh, year and a half, maybe? Wow. Yeah. No, two, no so I, a two little years. bit longer than two, that. I think yes. it's been yeah. over two it's years. It's been two, yeah. 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 Yeah, it was right before, right before we transitioned right. to the new right. roster. Yeah. yeah, and that was, I mean, I remember when that was happening, when she was getting trained and she mm-hmm. was spending all that time. I mean, her dedication was impressive. I saw her a lot of late nights working and training and getting better. She works very hard. Yeah. Um, but one of the re- the reason I brought that up was not only have you know people stepped up at Joe Bean, but people who were at Joe Bean have moved on to other things here in Rochester. Mm-hmm. And you know, a lot of the specialty coffee scene in town has Joe Bean's fingerprints all over it. <laughs> That's a good way yep. to put it, right? <laughs> I, I think so. I think so. I mean, but there, there's people who moved on. I mean, you know, uh, Rory Van Groh was uh, one sure. of the one of the first to move on. One of our baristas. Yep. Um, and I was at yeah. Ugly Duck Coffee, and he yep. did a pop up for what over a year, and then mm-hmm. moved on to a brick and mortar. But he was, you know, he was one of the earlier guys around, right? As sure. uh, barista mm-hmm. in, at Joe He Joby. was. He was. Yes, he was. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, you know, and then Wade moving over to Fifth Frame and, right. you know, there's been people in and out for that entire time. Mm-hmm. How is that? I mean, for people who have been there for a long time and get to move on and try new things, it's it's got to be a, kind of a positive and negative experience mm-hmm. at the same time, I'd imagine. For us? Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, for Joe Bean. I mean, I'm saying sure. from, from your perspective, because it's, you know, Basically, people growing yeah, up and it's moving out. Sweet, yeah. sure, people, yeah. You know, be really close and involved with the company, and then move on to a different project. Yeah, right. uh, I think it's also just kind of a natural thing that happens, and you know, to a certain extent, I think it's a compliment to us that people are getting involved and being excited and feeling like they can go kind of contribute to you know, the industry in their own way or, you sure. know, say, mm-hmm. hey, you know, I like what you're doing and I have a different voice mm-hmm. and I'm going to show what I can do in that process as mm-hmm. well. I, I think it also goes back to our roots. Um, I distinctly remember when we first opened up Joe Bean. I know Dino will remember this. Uh, we, we wrote a list of goals mm-hmm. uh, for what we wanted to accomplish. Um, obviously, there were business goals, but these were beyond that. Um and two of them, I remember, uh, was, first of all, we wanted to see a community of baristas mm-hmm. um, actually evolve. And there was no community of baristas. <laughs> um, it just didn't exist. And, you know, we always talk about our first latte art throwdown that, you know, we had no competitors. You know, it was Joe Bean versus Joe Bean. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, I say all that just because now it's so prominent. Like, there's just so much of you know, baristas and everyone thinks that it's just always been here, but it wasn't, you know, we, there was no pool. Um, and it didn't felt like, it didn't feel like a community. Um, so that was really one of our goals. And, you know, another one was, um, making uh, coffee feel like a profession, uh, which, you know, it really felt like a, bu- something you pass through that if you were in coffee, it would never be, you know, anything but yeah, you what you did in college, you know. Yeah, exactly. mm-hmm. And so I, I think because of that, it was in our DNA and we had lots and lots of conversations with, you know, many of the guys that now you've mentioned, you know, mm-hmm. Wade and Jared and Rory and Brandon. And, you know, they all knew these philosophies. They all knew these things that, you know, we had sort of been hoping would bubble up. And I think it went in and I think they believed it too. And so, you know, going on and being a part of coffee and being taking their you know, what they wanted to do, maybe in uh, doing it a little different than us, but still being connected. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, and now, 
Rochester, for our size, we're one of the more dense specialty coffee mm-hmm. cities That's in America. Pretty amazing. <laughs> which is, it's uh, kind of staggering when I remember when there was one. And yeah, now, yeah, right. And now there's, it's popping up all the time. There's new places doing it. Um, even, you know, restaurants are now having little, having coffee programs mm-hmm. um, that wouldn't have had that before. Right. And it's, it's, it's amazing when you see that it's all these different people popping up that either have, you know, time at Joe Bean or maybe, maybe they were at the other early shops here in town that came after. Right. And seeing that expand is, I mean, it's just absolutely really cool to see Rochester getting a national presence on the coffee scene. I, I think uh, we always say that we knew that when we were starting what we were starting, um, that it was going to be a movement. Um, we, we knew it was larger than a business. And so I think this is what we've seen is that, you know, a, a business just impacts one spot. I think a movement impacts a city. And that's really what we thought we were starting. And, and I think it turned out to be true. Yeah, it really, really did. <laughs> Which is really exciting for me personally, you know, to be able to have, you know, some element of being able to change um, the urban environment. Yeah. Well, and speaking of changing the urban environment. Uh-oh. <laughs> that, that, by the way, that was a really natural pivot. I don't know if you knew. If you I, I did purpose. not. There's no notes here. <laughs> no. I, if you didn't do that on purpose, uh, it was beautiful. Not. It was so well done. So speaking of changing the urban environment, let's talk about the parklet. Oh, sure. <laughs> so this is this is the second year, second year of it being open, right? Yeah, it was open last August. Uh, yeah, so actually it's our first spring uh, first and full first year. real uh, summer with it open, yeah. Right. So that was that was a concept that came in, geez, what was that, three years ago maybe? It took us three years, yes. Yeah, that was, oh my goodness. I think two, it was four years ago. Three, four years ago. <laughs> Really? It, it took two uh, years to get it open. You're probably was right. Was it that long ago? We've wow. been talking about it for a long time. Well, it was when we were in San Francisco. So when did we win the Good Food Award? When did we win the Good 12? Food Award? 2012. 2012. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Okay, whoops, it's been See, a while. I, I, remember, I remember some of the early <laughs> talks about it. I, I remember hearing about it. It might have been like a New Year's over Spro Bombs. <laughs> it might have which, been. Which, you know, it's <laughs> a lot of ideas are talked about <laughs> over Spro Bombs at Joe Bean. We're going to build this thing. Over time. <laughs> There's a lot of interesting conversations <laughs> over those. But I remember the early discussions and, you know, they... You know, it was sort of a it was a challenging process to get this thing happening. Yes, it was very challenging, um, mainly because uh, once again uh, there was no program. You know, it's funny when people look at it; they think, "Oh, yeah, it's a seating area," but you know, really, what we were talking about was taking public city property and turning it into you know a miniature park. And you know, we began to talk to people at the city, and we had some really strong advocates um, in the city who were working with us. But overall, we kept navigating departments that had no idea what we were trying to do, or you know, they would give us forms to fill out that you know made no sense. And, <laughs> um, so there was, there really was a lot of um, back and forth. And uh, you know, at one point, we had to engage pretty much every department in the city um, that had any interest at all um, in that little particular piece of sidewalk. By the way, I don't envy that at all. I know, the, was, I know so. the food truck people went through all that when they started, you know, when yes. Lizzie was starting. Very going, similar. Lizzie yeah. and Marty, and they, they went through that process with the city. I, I don't envy that at all. Yeah, it, it, it was, was really long. challenging. It, yeah. Yes, it was very long. Yep. So, and then, you know, the vision was to bring 
basically it's public seating outside of where Joe Bean is, mm -hmm. but changing what was essentially an unused fire lane into usable space for people. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and I think a big part of the vision too is we set it up in such a way where other companies can go through this process as well. Yes. So the the idea is to hopefully start seeing other people to make it a program. Yeah, to yeah. take other dead concrete spaces and convert it into, mm -hmm. you know, nice aesthetically pleasing green spaces. Yeah. Right. And we've had, I mean, to their credit, uh, the city really has developed it into a program. Um, there now is an application. Um, there's actually rules mm -hmm. <laughs> as to what a, a parklet, what you would need to do in order to get a parklet. Um, there's a process. Um, so, you know, it seemed like we were just trying to navigate our own. Um, but really what we were also trying to do kind of on the side was, you know, develop all of these things that were never there before. And they do exist now. And we've actually had several people that have reached out to, you know, some of the members of the parklet team. And we we now have someone to send them to. And um, we have a website. And there's actually, a, like I said, there's an application they can download. And well, it's kind of got to be a little satisfying after all I, that effort. I just want to see another one come up. <laughs> you know, <laughs> at, I least, at least at one least more. At least one. Yeah, I'd really just like one. Yes. So yep. they didn't make the form in vain. or Yes, have, it yeah. was a lot of process for, yeah. But, you know, um, that said, there isn't, you know, there is, um, there's not like uh, dollars that the city gives, you know, for them. So, you know, being able to raise your own funds, like with a Kickstarter and things like that. Um, are also still a part of it, so it it definitely is a process. Yeah, absolutely. And did so when when this original vision for the parklet was come up with, you know, going through the process and the final result, were you are you happy with how it turned out? Is it is it whatever you thought it was going to be? <laughs> um, it, yes and no. Uh, so I know um, Seth has. That we did one part of it. Sure. Um, there's actually multiple parts that you know are were part of our original yeah. um, sort of design. If you look at that area, it's really big. It's quite big. It, yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a fire truck lane. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so um, once we started navigating and getting our way into it, um, trying to develop all of it was it just felt overwhelming. Oh, and absolutely. so, you know, at some point we just said, let's just do this one part and make sure that we have something after all this time. And so, you know, we still have plans to, you know, to develop the other parts of it, but <laughs> uh, there's a part of me that, you know, as soon as it came up and running, you know, people were like, what about the other parts? And I thought, Oh, yeah. I don't know yet. <laughs> I don't, I, I don't know, well, <laughs> but I think we'll get there. You but know? it's a, it's a tough process. I mean, yeah. something like that when you're starting from scratch and you haven't done anything like it before mm -hmm. right. and the city hasn't done anything like it before mm -hmm. having, you know, ideas are one thing and executing them is a completely different thing. Well, and also making sure that what we did build, um, was durable. Yeah. Um, that it weathered well, you know, that, that plants didn't get stolen, <laughs> um, that, you know, there was just a lot of parts, uh, <laughs> which we did have a little, th you know, there was a little bit, uh, but, you know, overall, there was just so many unknown factors that to build it larger, you know, to begin with, uh, when we weren't sure what that whole first part was going to, you know, do. Yes, we did have somebody steal one of our herbs. 
<laughs> yeah, not, you know. if you really if you really need the herbs that badly. Yeah, they, yeah. <laughs> Actually, they they didn't steal it. They just they took it. They ripped yeah. it out and threw it on the ground. Yeah. Uh, see, that's 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 almost yeah. worse. It, it was it's a little a lot worse. worse. Yeah. yeah. It felt yeah. terrible. Yeah. We actually yeah. had cameras on the building, so we saw it. That um, they we called it Sage Rage because yeah. they just <laughs> you ripped out the sage and threw it on the ground. Well, I mean, if you've ever had a dish that had too much sage in it, uh, I guess you would yeah, understand that's the, that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we're not sure what was wrong with the sage, but yeah, <laughs> it really annoyed them. Yeah, yeah I, I could see that. I don't think we're going to plant it this year. I think mm. we're going to bypass it. We're going to go to different herbs. Yeah, different <laughs> herbs. Yeah, that what, ones we can not trust. as antagonistic. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> sage, the most antagonistic herb. Oh, God. We'll go with basil. It's very calming. It really is. It really is. It's just nice. Yeah, it's nice. And it goes on pizza, which I love. It does, <laughs> yes. Um,. Boy, I, th- I think that's everything I really wanted to cover. Is there anything I missed that we wanted to talk about today? Uh, well, actually, can we talk about our new menu? Please do. Um, oh, <laughs> uh, so uh, like I said, we've been kind of leaning into some of Kristen's heritage uh, for a number of years. I'm sure you've had some of her empanadas, Absolutely. and her tamales, and you know, elotes and things like that. Um, so we're um, really kind of letting her let it rip, um, if you will. And uh, this uh, coming weekend, uh, we're having our seven-year anniversary, and uh, we are actually rolling out our Hispanic street food evening menu, which we're wow. really excited about. Um, it's something that we've been uh, playing with for a long time, and um, the more we got to talking to Kristen, the, we, the more we realized that this is the direction she wanted to go for our mm-hmm. evening menu. And I, I feel like it makes so much sense, you know, for us in many ways. Um, Ben's actually... From a Latino standpoint, you know, Ben's actually been to many Latino countries um, just to secure coffee. And so, um, and we have, you know, a Cuban chef and um, it's just an area that we're really excited to, to see pop up you know, as part of our bar offering. Absolutely. And not only, you know, with that influence, but with a local sourced influence as well. Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Some, something that I know, you know, the entire Joe Bean family takes very seriously is sourcing appropriately, not only mm-hmm. just for the coffee, but with, you know, beer and food and, you know, the, the food from different farms and everything else. Right. So the menu will have a real uh, Latino feel to it, um, but locally sourced. So we're calling it sort of Latino, New American. Right. Big focus on the uh, Iroquois Maze Project mm-hmm. as well. That's and right. a lot of what those guys are doing. Which um, is, uh, you know, really important. And I've, you know, learned a lot listening to them. Um, you know, I've heard them interviewed on the radio and read some more about what they're doing. It's yep. absolutely fascinating stuff. And kind of critical for people to get a feel for, like, this is why. This is real upstate New York products. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We had them as guests last year, I think, for our Mother's Day. Was it last year? Oh, I believe it was. We had a Mother's Day. A Mother's Day, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Time does blur. But, yes, they were our yep. guests for a Mother's Day. Yes. Um, just incredible people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and well, Also, great opportunities for flavor, too. And it's something that, you know, mm-hmm more we take a step away t- from big commercial products and step down to that's right artisanally made and products that were meant to be grown here right that are still <laughs> grown here right where they should uh, be right right like, which <laughs> is like such an insanely <laughs> rare thing to find yeah and it's like one of the major global issues right now is that there's no heirloom varietals left there's no genetic diversity and 
it's threatening most major crops, corn being one of the big ones and coffee being one of the other big ones. Yeah. And that these are, this is one of the reasons I'm, I mean, we could splinter off and talk about this for a long time, but I, I interviewed somebody from um, Fruition Seeds, oh, sure. uh, Petra Page Man from Fruition Seeds, and they're working right now with, um, part of them working with Dan Barber on, you know, heirloom seeds and developing new products that are driven for flavor, meant to grow in our climate. And what a fascinating thought that we're, we're going to get more products that are meant to be grown here, <laughs> grown for flavor, right. and grown for sustainability all at the same time. Right. It's kind of an exciting time for people who care about these things. Mm-hmm. It's a terrifying time. <laughs> That's <laughs> what I was going to say. It's yeah. a terrifying time, too. Don't get me wrong. But I think there's, there's people who are taking it seriously. And the more local restaurants that I see that are trying to do things the right way and making these steps gives me at least a little bit of heart about it. And hope I, I appreciate your optimism. It's a very, it's very slight, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> but I have to have some hope. And, you know, I have to have some hope. And I, I think there's... I'm with you, Chris. The I'm, more, I'm, yeah. The more we can get people to care, I think there's more opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. And maybe it's not enough, but still... I'm still going to try. Why am I talking about it? I think it's important that we all at least try to talk about it. And totally, totally. Give people the opportunity to try better things, not just for flavor, but for you know supporting our local environment mm-hmm. at the same time. That's right. Yep. Oh, Absolutely. I'm, I think we're... Is this closing on a down note? Is this no, closing no, on a down note? No, no not at all. So ben, <laughs> ben thinks we're closing on a down note. I have a tendency to... Just pull everything back. To the, <laughs> <laughs> everything back to I, the world I don't know. is burning. You talk about hope. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm excited about our new menu. I, I think it's. Um, I feel like we're coming into it, it. We're coming into our seventh year. We're just finishing our our seventh year um, on University Avenue. And um, you talked about the fact that you know we've evolved and we've changed. And I I think really coming into some things that we've been building for a long time and recognizing that we're you know, this is, it's like a new comfort for us, like mm-hmm. a new place that we're sort of becoming who we really are, yeah. um, if you will. And I think sometimes it takes a long time to get that, you know, to, to pull that out and to realize, wait a minute, this is who we've been for a long time and uh, we love it, you know. Um, a- another thing I just wanted to mention is that, you know, we've been doing jazz music um, at our place, you know, on Thursday nights for a couple years now. And that really came out of our customers um, being a lot of the Eastman jazz, you know, musicians. And so I think our evenings are really going to come into a fun place because they'll be focused on jazz music and Latino food. So I love this combination. Boy, it sounds lively, doesn't <laughs> it? It really does. I'm actually very excited about it. That's great. So um, I guess throughout the social media plug so people can find Joe Bean Coffee Roasters and bar and kitchen and everything else. Ah, uh, sure. Yeah. Do you want me to plug them? Is oh, that please do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so bar and kitchen at Joe Bean is actually um, now focused. It's our Instagram account that's now focused on activities that are actually happening at our bar. And then Joe Bean Roasters um, is also our Instagram account that is a little more focused on our roastery and um, our wholesale program and some of the things that we're doing uh, from the back of the house, I guess. Um, Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, and I know you're expanding and offering new products and interacting with more new companies. It's an exciting time, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, the wholesale program is really growing. I could probably let these guys talk about that. Um, I, 
How much do you want to go into? <laughs> <laughs> I think what we're going to do is we're going to cut it off here for today. Uh, and there's if, a lot. It's growing. Yeah, it's yeah. growing a lot. It's growing. <laughs> and I'm, I'm super excited to see that growing as well. And I do have to say from seeing, you know, trying the coffee from back on the street at Park Ave and at the YWAC <laughs> Fest. Right. We've come a long way. And I think we all, we all have. That's I think, right. I think, you know, seeing, seeing from what it was then to where it is now and... I mean, I know I couldn't be more excited to see the direction Joe Bean's going. Aww. And I am, it's still my favorite place to hang out in Rochester. Aww. And, you know, it's everybody needs their place. And I think for, for me, Joe Bean was my place. And I've learned so much from hanging out and, you know, talking to different people and, Ben's put up with me for a lot of <laughs> a lot of weird a lot of weird Friday and Saturday nights. I, I can confirm. <laughs> but uh, I think there's only great things to come for Joe Bean and hopefully for the rest of the world too. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> so we're gonna end on that note. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. And I'm sure we'll have more stuff coming up. Thanks soon-ish. for having us, Chris. All right. Yeah. Thanks, Kathy. Yeah. Thanks, Dina. Thank and you. Thanks, Ben. <laughs> <laughs>